name is Reverend Jennifer Potter Buff, and I am a United Methodist pastor who has been serving for the last year as a hospital chaplain at Tampa General Hospital. I don't spend a whole lot of time preaching anymore, but I spend a lot of time thinking about spiritual practices, particularly spiritual practices that have to be outside of the norm. Even before the start of the pandemic, uh, a lot of my work was uh, with people who weren't experiencing normal life. They were hurting or sick or uh, facing crisis. But even uh, even more now in the middle of the pandemic, um, there's this invitation to think deeply about what it is to connect with Jesus, uh, how uh, the spiritual life draws us more deeply into relationship with God and with the world around us. I want to start this morning with a passage from John 15 that's familiar to many of us, but we'll read it from the message translation. So hear these words from Jesus. I am the real vine and my my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes and every branch that is grape bearing. He prunes back so it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. Let's pray together. Spirit of the living God. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. But most of all, God, take our hearts and set them on fire. Amen. I grew up in the church, so I grew up hearing this analogy that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. But the analogy never became real for me until I had the opportunity to see vineyards in person. There's something mesmerizing about row after perfect row of grapevines. Something mesmerizing about the vibrant colors and about the way they are both wild and cultivated. I took this photo in Italy the summer after I graduated from seminary. That summer, I got caught up learning about grapes. Turns out that grapes are woody vines. They grow year after year. They need plenty of space between them so that there's room for them to stretch out. They can be trained to grow into what's called decorative forms. That is, they can be trained to grow around an arbor to provide shade or beauty. Grapes need full sun 
to ripen. The flowers of the grape are pollinated by wind and insects. And annual pruning is absolutely necessary to help keep the growth healthy. Grapes need soil that is deep and loose and well-drained. When I learned about grapes, it, it felt to me like the comparisons of the Christian life were practically leaping off the page. Because, of course, we need to grow in community, but we also need healthy boundaries. We need God's goodness and Christ's light to grow. We face storms and challenges. We have nagging problems and adversities. And yet in those dark seasons, we are strengthened and we come to produce fruit. If we will let the spirit do the work of pollination. And we too can be trained to grow into a beautiful form into the image of Jesus. Great. But all of that seems to fit in the way that the world is supposed to work. And right now we find ourselves living in a strange time. So many of the ways that we like to spend our leisure time aren't available to us right now. The grocery store requires preparation and forethought. We're hounded by conflicting opinions and information on the news. We're asked to make impossible choices for our kids. And then we're also being asked to confront our privilege and systematic racism. These times are not normal. A few weeks ago, I read a story in the New York Times about an unexpected effect of the coronavirus pandemic. Apparently, a number of French winemakers have just finished harvesting this year's grapes, but they have nowhere to store new wine. The wine they normally sell to restaurants hasn't moved. And so they're selling the remainder of last year's wine for pennies to companies who will take the wine and reprocess it into hand sanitizer just to empty their vats so that they can begin the process of this year's winemaking. The world is upside down right now. And yet into this, Jesus offers us the image of vines and branches. How are we supposed to cultivate the deep, well-drained, loose soil that's needed for thriving and for the bearing of fruit? I want to suggest that the, that the answer is surprising and simple. We play. We play and we choose joy. And I don't mean this as some kind of flippant answer. I think play is actually serious work. Did you know that young children learn best through play? In an ordinary setting, it takes repeating something a hundred times or more for them to learn it. But if they are doing the learning in the context of play, it takes only 10 or 15 repetitions before they've learned it. My son is almost three and he's a little sponge for absorbing new information, but it's totally true. I can repeat a word over and over again, trying to get him to learn it like the word, please. But if we find a word in a book that he thinks is funny or interesting, he's got it down almost instantly. My three-year-old can name bobcats and bulldozers and excavators and cement trucks and garbage trucks and all the trucks that have ever been invented in the entire world and get them right every single time. And I'm still reading the words, 
on the page. This kind of learning isn't a burden for him because he's having fun. He's choosing joy. He's focused in on the things that delight him. From the very beginning, our brains are wired to learn and grow and create connections best when we play. So I want to invite you this morning to choose joy with me for a little while to play together. Let's see if we can delight in some spiritual practices, delight in some time with God. We'll focus in on three spiritual practices that perhaps aren't your standard practices. We'll do this work of tending our heart soil because we want to be connected to and with Jesus. We want to bear healthy, beautiful fruit. We want to arrive at our final breath and hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. But I think if we're honest, so often it feels like that, that tending of our heart soil is hard work. It's exhausting and we don't want to do it. Or perhaps it feels like we have too much old wine gumming up the works and there's nowhere to do the new work of this season. But I think if, if we can find ways to delight in spiritual practices, we might find that the load is lighter, that there's an easier rhythm to our time with God. Because we know it's true that life gets hard sometimes. We're certainly aware of that as we're living through this global pandemic and having strong branches and good soil is vital for persevering through the storms of this world. We can meet God in those times, in those seasons, but when we're wandering around in the storms, when we're in the figurative or the literal valley of the shadow of death, it's so much easier to find God if we've already been at work preparing the soil. We're able to live off the work already done rather than trying to find God for the first time in a long while while we're standing in the dark. So let's play together. Let's stretch our spiritual muscles and spend some time with some practices that might not feel familiar to you. You might love them and decide that they're worth incorporating into your life, or you might decide that this kind of play isn't for you. And that's okay too. As long as you keep playing, keep exploring, keep following the path of delight that will lead you to deeper roots and stronger branches with the one true vine. So the first practice I want to explore with you is called breath prayer. And it's incredibly simple. You can use scriptures or themes or really anything that you can manage to say in a short phrase or two. You can see an example of a breath prayer that uses language from Psalm 23, but I want to go to the next one and we'll practice this together. You'll see that there's an image too. If it, if it helps, you can leave your eyes open and, uh, and focus in on the image or perhaps you just need to shut your eyes and there might be noise around you. There might be little kids screaming or the news on in the next room or, or trucks coming down your street. All of that is fine. God shows up in the ordinariness of our, our regular lives. We often can't find perfect silence. So just be rooted in yourself, in your body. Sit up straight. Take a deep breath with me. And we'll use these words on, on the image. We'll inhale together. You can say either aloud or, or silently, Holy Spirit. 
and then we'll exhale. We'll ask that the spirit brings us peace. So let's inhale together. Holy spirit and exhale. Bring me peace. Again, let's inhale. Holy spirit. Hold your breath for a moment and exhale. Bring me peace. Again, inhale. Holy spirit. And exhale. Bring me peace. Just one more time. Holy spirit. Bring me peace. Invite you to try some breath prayers this week. You might choose some language from a favorite piece of scripture or a favorite song, or just something as simple as asking the spirit to grant you peace, but try to slow down, find yourself, pay attention to how the spirit moves. The second practice I want us to play with this morning is poetry. You cannot skim read poetry. It forces you to slow down. One of my favorite ways to connect with God over the last year has been to sit down in the mornings when my house is quiet. I bring my cup of coffee and a book of poetry by my favorite poet, Mary Oliver, and I bring a blank piece of paper and a pen. I generally just open the book and, and choose the poem that, uh, that presents itself. And I sit and I read through the poem a few times and then I begin to write out the words of the poem, paying attention to how the words fit together on the page. And I linger over the ones that stand out to me. I just let it be a time of, of reframing the world. I particularly love Mary Oliver because she writes so much about creation. And I find that it's an invitation into the mystery and creativity of God. And I think too, she picks just the most perfect titles for her poems. So I want to share a poem from Mary today called how the grass and the flowers came to exist a God tale. So I invite you to close your eyes and receive these words. I suppose the Lord said, let there be fur upon the earth and let there be hair upon the earth. And so the seeds stuttered forward into ripeness and the roots twirled in the dark to accomplish his desire. And so there is clover and the reeds of the marshes and the eelgrass of the sea shallows upon which the dainty sea brant live. And there is the green and sturdy grass and the goldenrod and the spurge and the yarrow and the ivies and the bramble and the blue iris covering the earth. Thanking the Lord with their blossoms. When I sit with the words of poetry, it helps me to slow down long enough to pay attention. And I find that the mornings where I've spent time reading poetry, I'll find myself later, find, find myself later on in the day, walking down a, a hallway in the hospital and catching a, a glimpse of the trees outside and remembering 
Remembering that God is at work playing in, in the branches and God has, has exercised creative power to bring fur and hair upon the earth. And I find that there is a reminder that the trees themselves are giving thanks to the Lord. And that I too am invited into that thankfulness. It invites me to, to play with the idea of uh, all that God has created. It reminds me of the holy work God has done and the holy work that God is doing, creating and recreating in me. Perhaps you don't have a book of poetry sitting around your house. There's a podcast, a free podcast, although you can also find it on the internet called Poetry Unbound. It's uh, hosted by an Irish poet whose name I can never say correctly, but it's something like Padraig Otuma. And he hosts this weekly podcast and he starts by kind of setting the stage and telling you a little bit about the poet. And he reads the poet, uh, the poem with his Irish accent. And after uh, he finishes, he spends a little bit of time unpacking the poem and explaining some things, pointing out some lines. And then he reads the poem one more time. Most episodes take only 10 or 15 minutes. And I found that it's just about the perfect length for a walk around the block or for chopping vegetables that are going into your dinner for the evening. But it's an invitation to slow down, to pay attention, to allow God to, to reframe the way that you are looking at the world. So I invite you to play with some poetry this week. The third practice is called a mandala. Mandala is a Sanskrit word that literally means circle, but the way that we tend to think about mandalas is that they are geometric configurations of patterns. I was first introduced to them when I was in college. My university had worked on uh, building up this Tibetan studies program and over the years had established a really interesting relationship with the Dalai Lama and with the, the monks who lived at his uh, monastery. And so as part of the partnership, every year we hosted a, a cohort of monks and we sent some of our students uh, over uh, as well. But one of the events of the week every year was that the monks would create a sand mandala. You can see an image here. The monks would work about eight hours a day for the entire week working on this. And in the next image, you can see how much skill and detail it required. It was literally backbreaking work. They would finish on a Friday and they would leave it completed for about two hours for people to see. And then they would destroy it. You can see another image here. In their religious practice, it was uh, a way of creating and then participating in destruction to remind themselves of the impermanence of life. I can remember thinking as a 19 year old that it was absolutely crazy. Why would you destroy something with so much beauty? And yet I think there's something in that for us in the Christian tradition. We've used mandalas in a number of different ways over the centuries. You can find uh, the influence of mandalas in many of our rose windows. There's an image here from the Strasbourg cathedral. It's just a geometric configuration of patterns. So I invite you this week to Google uh, mandalas. You can see an image here of a simple one. Take it and print it out. And spend 20 or 30 minutes coloring in the lines. And every time you pick up a new color, pick up a red colored pencil. And as you use the red, use that time to pray for one person or one situation 
And when you're done with the red, you'll put it down and pick up another color. And as you use that blue, pray for a different person or a different situation. Perhaps all you can manage to say is their name over and over and over again. And that's enough. Or maybe you find that you need more words and that's okay too. There's no one right way. There's no one wrong way to do this work. Instead, let the mandala be a guide for you to pay attention, to establish a sacred space, to aid yourself as you meditate. And then when you're done with the 20 or 30 minutes, throw it away. Don't let the mandala be something that you have to accomplish or finish. It's just a guide along the way. Friends, there's thousands of ways to play with spiritual practices. I hope you've heard something today that, that you might want to practice this week. But if you hated all the suggestions, that's okay too. But figure out what brings you joy or delight. And do that work this week. And as you do it, ask God, what might you have for me in this practice? Maybe this week you need to learn about how to cultivate grapes, or maybe you need to dig in the dirt with a toddler or sing the hymns of the church or take a walk outside in the early morning, whatever it is, invite God to do the work of pruning, loving and growing you. So that when we come to the other side of this pandemic, we might be able to look back and say, what a marvelous work God has done in us. Indeed, what joy and delight God has cultivated in our heart soil, even in the midst of the difficulties, even in the very real suffering and pain and isolation. So that we can look back and say, what a story I have to share with my neighbors who have not yet experienced the delight, the joy, the playfulness of following Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh God, our true vine. We pray this week that you would cultivate in us bright and vibrant fruit. That as we pause long enough to play, to experience, to wonder that you might build up in us this experience of your mystery and your holiness and your creativity so that our roots might be deepened and our branches might be strengthened. God, we pray that you would surprise us with joy and delight. We give you thanks that even as we walk in the valley of the shadows, that you are with us, Jesus, that you see us and know us and you invite us in. Be our guide this week. Remind us to play so that in playing, we might grow. Pray these things in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.